bonsoir and hasta la vista. In other words, welcome to this exclusive podcast from that jewel in the crown of Lancashire, Little Snogging by the Bus Stop. Some of you may have had difficulty sleeping last night. I would offer my sympathies, but in our village I'm afraid it is not unusual for the residents to find their slumbers interrupted. For all sorts of reasons. Aid! Aid! Are you awake? No. Oh, I thought so. I heard you were snoring. I expect that was because I was asleep. What is it this time? I got another twinge. Oh, Lord, not another. Flo, this is the third time in a week you've woken me up with one of your twinges. What is the matter with you? Well, I don't like to say it. It's just that I really do feel like it might be the first signs, you know. Like a little person, I wanting to make an appearance, you know? Flo, you're not pregnant. Why not? Give me no good reason, go on. I'll give you two. A, this is a nunnery, and B, you're the mother superior. Now go back to sleep. But you never know me. There might be all the signs are there. I was craving for chips all last week. Eight? Eight? I think your water's just broke! That was an extract from Great Expectations <laughs> by Willie Grimmel. Ah yes, the joy of a good book. Full of words, sentences, maybe the odd paragraph. Capital letters, italics, even semicolons. And don't you just love it when they get the apostrophes in the right place? One of these days I might even reach that magical part where they all live happily ever after. But let's not get too excited. Here's an extra special story told in her own inimitable way by Beryl Clutterbuck at number 12, Privy on the Hill. Shush me! You took your time, didn't you? Sorry, Arthur but why, why shouldn't I have a bit of fun with her, mate? I mean, it was Christmas Eve, after all. Well, all right, I'll give you that. Hey, I'm not one to complain about my wife going out for the odd drink, but Christmas Eve was two weeks ago. Oh, uh, yeah, sorry about that. We got held up. Held up? Who by Dick Turpin? No, of course not, silly. No, I'll tell you in a minute. Here, is the dinner ready? Well, I should say so. Have you ever seen a turkey that's been cooped for five days? <laughs> did you not think to turn it down a bit? I did turn it down. As soon as he opened the oven door, I said, there's no way I'm eating that. <laughs> so have we not got anything for dinner then? I'm starving. It's okay. You can always do you a sprout. <laughs> so, go on. What happened? Well... You know it was Christmas Eve, right? We've agreed on that, yeah. yes. And at Christmas, well, it's supposed to be the season of goodwill and all that, right? If you say so, yes. So anyway, so we just come out of the pub knee-deep in snow and we heard this funny noise. What kind of noise? Well, it, well, it's a bit difficult to describe, really. It sounded to me a bit like bells in the distance. And then 
Then there was this rushing wind. Ugh, that'll be your mother. No, it wasn't. But then all of a sudden, just as we turned the corner past the undertakers, we could see this big red transit van stuck in a snowdrift. And there was this poor old man shouting for help. Why? Oh, we were in a, a proper tears he was. Sat there in a pair of red pyjamas and Wellington boots and clutching a teddy bear. Well, I thought he might have been drinking, but he hadn't been in our pub. I've never seen anyone with a long white beard like that. I think he was a sort of a postman, but not your usual one, you know. Anyway, he said he'd done his deliveries, but he was on his way back to the depot. Which depot? Oh, I don't know. Somewhere up north, I think. Anyway, he was stuck in this snowdrift and he needed some help getting out. So Eileen, she had her shovel. Yeah, she does. And, and we took turns trying to clear the snow. But it took ages and ages. So then, these passing dwarves came over and they said they could help. Oh, aye. Well, where did they come from then? I don't know. They just appeared. And they were carrying all sorts of tools. You know, pickaxes and shovels and stuff. Well, you know what they say, don't you, about little men and their equipment? Not really, no. Never trust them. Never. Because the next minute, they bundled Eileen and me into the back of the van, and there we were, kidnapped. You don't say. Oh, I'll have to think about this one. Be back in a minute. when we spun that tale about the police box and the doctor. Honestly, the things I have to do just to get a break from him at Christmas. I'm sure you'll all be wondering how many shopping days there are until next Christmas. So I won't spoil it. Now, I do feel I ought to prepare you for the ladies from the Women's Institute. They're a talented bunch, really. Mrs Higgins does a marvellous dance of the 27 veils, or I should say scarves. Well, she is a big lady. Um, but they're all getting in a bit of a tiz because rehearsals are about to begin for the 112th amateur production by the number six players. And one of them has an announcement to make. <laughs> Come on, Lily. Dottie will be back from the loo any minute. Why is she all puffed up like a baboon? I think you mean a balloon, Miss <laughs> dear. But on reflection, there is a resemblance. Yes, but what's the big announcement about? I mean, has it got anything to do with my allotment? No, Bet. She told me incontinence. But we're going to have to make a stand this time. She really has gone too far. Right. Well, just remember, back me up all the way, or we'll never hear the end of it. Oh, there you are, Doctor. So, ladies, I take it everyone's in agreement? Uh, well, we're not so sure, Dotty. Mm. What do you mean, not sure? It's ours for the taking. Oh, but how much will it cost? It doesn't matter, Lily. The cost is minimal. We just have to organise transport. Oh, and what transport does one need for a blooming bit of parrot? 
It's not a parrot, it's a puffin. It's got a great big beak. Like I said, a blooming great parrot. Those good airs. Oh, a parrot, okay. Well, puffin or parrot, it's still a big bird. So who's going to cook it? No bet, dear. It's not for cooking. It's for the show. Oh, oh it's going to put little snogging on the map of culture. And as for transport, that's easy. Yes, I'm sure it'll fit in a cat box on the back seat of your fiesta. But what does the creature eat? Fish, apparently. And more mite sandwiches without crusts. I wonder how they found that out. Who knows? The point is, it's available, it's transportable, and it'll pop bums on seats. I hate to rain on your parade, Dotty darling, but I've seen three or four versions of an inspector calls over the years, and I've never once seen a puffin in it. Or a parrot. Exactly. Exactly. What do you mean, exactly? Well, ours will be the first ever production of an inspector calls. That co-stars a puffin. Co-stars! Well, yes! Get top billing. That's me. But his name should be in the programme. Oh, all right, Dotter. And on the posters. What? And it'll need its own dressing room. Oh, this is ridiculous. It certainly is. For a palette. Don't knock it, ladies. With my nephew working at the zoo, I mean, he's able to sneak all manner of animals out. He's promised us a tiger for our summer show. <laughs> but our summer show is the sound of music. We can't have a tiger amongst the children. No, we can't, Dot. Look, I don't mind people laughing and sniggering at us for having a puffin in a serious mystery place set in a front room. But tigers are dangerous, and children are edible. Then he's quite right, Dottie. And it won't fit in my cat box. Very well, ladies. May I remind you never to look a daft horse in the mouth. I have spent months on this. Spontaneity doesn't happen overnight, you know. I don't ask for much. But when I do, the very least I expect in return is to recognise which one of us is wearing the trousers. May I remind you, who is chairwoman of the number six players? You, you are, are Dottie. And who hosts the dinner parties eight times a year? You, you do, Dottie. And who are both founding members of the Burr Grills Appreciation Society? We, we are, are Dottie. I rest my case. Now, here's the thing. Each week, our local radio station makes a broadcast about... Well, let's roll that back a little. We don't actually have a local radio station. We just have Reginald Groper in his front room with a Meccano set, a 12-volt battery and an old-fashioned ear trumpet. But he means well, and it really is marvellous how his psychiatrist helps him out doing role-play. Well, judge for yourself. Hello and welcome to another edition of In the Psychiatrist's Chair with me, Dr. Will. See you now. Now last week we said goodbye, goodbye and goodbye to Julie and her multiple personalities. And today we have a brand new patient who has agreed to let us record the session. His name is Ken Bleavitt. So let's meet him, shall we? Ken? Ken? 
is it okay for me to call you by your first name? Well, whose first name were you going to use? <laughs> yes, well, quite. <laughs> I'm going to risk it, and I'm going to call you by your first name. Okay. My first name is Ken. <laughs> yes. Good. Now, what brought you here today? Number seven bus. Oh, right, okay, but, but what, what brought you to see me? Your receptionist. Wouldn't there be a lot of questions? No, but yes, no, wait. Let me help. Now, uh, your GP... No, I'm not. What? I'm not GP. I don't even know what that is anyway. No, your GP, your general practitioner, your local doctor, referred you to me, didn't he? Oh, from what I've seen so far, I think most people would prefer me to you. Not prefer, refer. He sent you to me, didn't he? Did he? Yes! Otherwise you wouldn't be here, would you? I wouldn't be here if it weren't for the number seven bus. <laughs> Let's take this one step at a time, shall we? Okay. What is your doctor's name? No. Doctor No? As in the James Bond film? No, I'm sure he's not been on the telly. What? No, I'm just asking about... Never mind, never mind. I'll look it up. I have your notes here. I'll look it up. Booker! Your doctor is Dr. Booker. Oh, no, it wasn't what? What? I knew it wasn't what. Y you said, what is your doctor's... Oh, no, it doesn't matter. Look, let's move on. We're, we're nearly halfway through the programme. We've, we've discovered nothing and achieved even less. Oh, I thought you were supposed to be a professional. Ah! I, I am. I do apologise. I'm usually the calmest of people. <coughs> What I'll do is actually look at your file and see what your doctor has written in his notes to me. All right? <laughs> ah, I see. Now, your doctor, Dr. Booker, uh, he says that you've been hearing voices. Is, is that right? Yes, that's right. Yes. Well, let me assure you that you're not unique in this. All right? I've treated many such cases over the years. Now, when do you hear these voices? When people are talking to me. Do you hear them all the time? Yes, I do, yes. Can you hear a voice now? Yes, I can, yes. What is it saying? What is it saying? Yes, what is it saying? Yes, what is it saying? Yes, what... Wait! You're talking about my voice, aren't you? Yes, I am, yes. Do you hear any voices apart from mine at the moment? Um, uh, Is there anyone talking to you now? Apart from me? Oh, no. Right. But you sometimes hear voices? I often hear voices, yes. Voices of people who aren't there with you? Yes. Now, I'm not talking about people on the telephone. No. No, or, or, or on the TV or the radio. No. No. Good, good. And, and what do these voices say to you? Well, it's hard to say. Well, look, I, I know these things are sometimes difficult to talk about, but if you tell me, I can help you. Now, now this voice. Perhaps there's a, an ethereal connection. Dare I suggest a spirit? No, I, I'm teetotal. Just an orange squash, please. No, no, the voice is the, is, is the voice that of a spiritual guide. Not sure. 
perhaps a dead relative. Why would your dead relative want to talk to me? Not my relative, yours! Oh. No, I don't have any foreign relatives. Oh, so the voice is foreign? Yes, it is foreign, yes. Oh, and, and what does the foreign voice say? I don't know, I don't speak foreign. Aren't you curious as to, as to the translation? Oh, not really. I quite like the tones and the sounds. You like it? What's, your, what's brought you here? The number seven bus. Oh, my God! What's the matter with you? Why are you going so red in the face and, and foaming at the mouth? Look, I don't know. I don't know. I'm usually so calm. You've just brought out a side of me I never knew I had. Oh, sit down a minute. Have you been stressed lately? Well, yes, I have been struggling at home. The kids don't respect me anymore. My wife might be having an affair. Oh, well, no wonder you're stressed. I'll recommend a week's holiday in Southport. Well, listeners, that's all we've got time for now. Come back next week to see who is in the psychiatrist's chair. Good night. You've been listening to The Red Rose Tattoo. And we'd like to reassure listeners we won't charge you a penny for any of the services we provide. We're not a cheap act. So how about two pennies? No? Oh well, please yourselves. Taking part in this podcast were Jackie Padden, Peter Frankson and Alan Veal. The music was by Dave Thomas and the script was by Peter Frankson and Alan Veal. If you've been affected by anything in this podcast, please look in the mirror and ask yourself if Lycra really does suit you.